0: Let me tell you about a life-changing elixir of the gods. I'm talking about Strava Craft Coffee. I'm telling you it will change your life. If you're like me and you drink a lot of coffee, you have noticed those negative side effects. I don't even get jittery that much, but it happens. It can mess with your stomach. It can make you feel run down later on. You can have the crash. As much as we love our coffee... We know all of these things are going to come with it, but you know what? Not with Strava. It has changed my life. It has made me a far more productive and awake and less shaky person as I deal with whatever I've got to deal with throughout the day. Some of these people on Twitter, grab that Strava. It's rich in CBD. It's great coffee that you can purchase in either K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get whole bean, you can ground it yourself, or you can get it ground- Whatever way you take your coffee, they will ship it to you. It's delicious. There's all kinds of different uh, flavors that you can get, and it's good for you. It's actually good for you. I can personally vouch for the health benefits of CBD-infused products, particularly Strava Craft Coffee, that can really help to set uh, my equilibrium. It's good for you. You can try it if you want down at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip, Denver, Slow High Coffee, uh, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. It's non-psychoactive. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about any of the things that you may have heard uh, about what this crazy CBD stuff is. Is it marijuana? No, it's not any of those things. It's not psychoactive. Uh, you're not going to feel weird or different. It doesn't affect you that way. It's just something that isn't going to give you all of the terrible things that you can oftentimes get from regular coffee, and it's going to help with things like long-term migraines. It's helped me a great deal. Decreasing anxiety. Again, I can personally vouch for this. Arthritis, I get I get achy. I, I've, I've been a tall guy for a very long time. I had a bad back issues. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not making this up because they're a sponsor, though it's awesome and we love them. Strava Craft Coffee is phenomenal for all of these things. So remember to purchase online for 20% off using code DNVR20. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run, home run, Trevor Story. Nasty two-run home run, David Dahl, and Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look; you won't see it for long. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 18 Colorado locations or go online to mygreensolution.com and use that promo code DNVR20. It'll take 20% off your entire purchase. I'm your host, Drew Creasman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me today uh, via the magic of technology is, of course, our guy, Patrick Lyons, and Uh, through the magic of quarantined isolation, (laughs) and also through being uh, a newly minted uh, honorable co-host of this podcast. My mother, Barbara Creaseman, will also be throwing in some commentary because we have got to discuss any one of Ken Burns' baseball documentary. For anyone who's missed it it is our plan over the next couple of weeks here to on tuesdays and thursdays at from here on it will be five o'clock mountain time we did this at at six o'clock on the first tuesday Uh, we will be watching an episode of the phenomenal documentary simply and perfectly titled baseball by ken burns you can find it completely for free on pbs's website And if you happen to be an Amazon Prime member and you prefer to watch things that way, it's also for free on there. And so uh, we'll we'll do our best to sort of organize and and create a a kind of structure to these as we move forward. But I think this first one just has to be a a bit of a free-flowing conversation about it. Patrick, I actually want to hand this off to you because I know that while I've seen this before, uh, a couple of times and, and I've at times throughout my life just sort of put it on in the background because it's baseball and because I like all of this stuff. Um, I feel like you've got a pretty good connection with it, with its history, just even with how the documentary was made and some of the observations that you and I have already discussed and uh, some of the things I saw you sending out on Twitter. So why don't you give us a little bit more setup before we dive into it? Uh, some of the interesting things just about the existence of this documentary.
1: Well, of course, it, it all starts with the man himself, Ken Burns, and you know, as a documentarian, as a as a true historian, he kind of approached the history of America as being three parts. It it obviously coming from the the Revolutionary War and us uh, gaining our freedom from uh, the country of England was was an important part, but the Civil War and what it did to kind of shape our country to what it is today as being one of those uh, tent poles, one of the pinnacles of our, our history. Jazz, which, of course, is referenced in this first inning. And the the third and final, in fact, baseball was the first of his documentaries, was baseball as being one of the things that America will be remembered most for when you talk about future civilizations or um aliens coming from another planet or uh, human beings being wiped from the earth from some kind of infectious disease i know that will never happen but uh, but but baseball is that first thing and, and and more of a pop cultural thing i think to bring in more of the masses than the civil war and jazz and he does an amazing job even just in the first inning weaving in some of the figures and images that we're so used to seeing between Ted Williams and Babe Ruth and Jackie Robinson in what is ultimately the genesis of baseball. How does the game evolve from rounders and town ball and cricket? How does it evolve from that? How does it get invented? Who are the first stars of the game? How does the first professional league get built? And that's can be on the more boring side, I think, for some baseball fans. There's no video at this point in baseball's history, right? Uh, there's nothing but black and white photos. And uh, as I mentioned, for those that were following along uh, through the hashtag DNVRwatches, I tweeted out that one of the key members of the That that brought this together with Ken Burns for PBS was a gentleman by the name of Mark Rucker. He was the visual consultant. Uh, He owns countless photographs, which he's, he's even donated now since he's retired, but he now resides here in Boulder, Colorado. And that's one of the most amazing things that you see when, or to think about, I should say, when you're watching the history of baseball, and so much of it takes place on the East Coast, and the the first game ever played with the New York Knickerbocker Club was in Hoboken, New Jersey, and the Cincinnati Reds and the the Chicago White Stockings. It's it's more East Coast centric, but when you talk about the making of the film Baseball and the history of the game of baseball through this documentary. It has to deal with a gentleman who resides right here in Colorado. So that's, that's a cool thing, I think, that can bring our community in on this and say, hey, baseball is it's for the globe, it's for all of America, but it is for us right here in Colorado, even before the Colorado Rockies emerge in 1993.
2: So, Patrick, I noticed when you named those old teams, you omitted the Dodgers, which, you know, I completely understand. <laughs> the Trolley but Dodgers. But the Trolley Dodgers, and I had forgotten that. And the number of people said, why did do the Dodgers stand for it? And I go, well, it's something in New York, and I didn't quite remember. But, yeah, Brooklyn Dodgers were the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers.
1: I love that. Yeah, that I, I love asking Dodgers fans because that's so – far stretch like what is it what is a dodger like what they they're you few from los angeles they particularly don't like getting hit by pitches because you know they've got <laughs> a they've got an acting gig tomorrow and they don't want to you don't want to come in with a shiner or any bruises on your body so they dodge the ball where does that come from um and yeah we we, we, we get that first taste even though at the time you know brooklyn they were the atlantics um they were the superbas in 1899 Later on, Wilbert Robinson is a gentleman who is referenced as being – actually, know, he wasn't referenced at all, but he should have been as one of the members of the, the National League Baltimore Orioles. He was later the manager of uh, Brooklyn, and they were called the Robins, named aptly after him, Wilbert Robinson. And also
0: there used to be a time where in baseball you, they would actually throw it at you, much like in dodgeball. <laughs> they, they talked about – we'll get into that a little yeah. bit later, but that's we're talking about Dodgers – Uh, That was one of the things we saw in the thing today is remembering that there was a time very early in the game as they were trying to figure out what rules. You know, it's very easy to believe in our minds that, you know, one day there wasn't baseball and then Abner Doubleday sat down and wrote out all the rules that we have today and now the game exists. But of course, it's way messier than that.
1: Yeah, it would be nice if, if if it was as simple as that, like you know, Dr. James Naismith, you know, putting a peach basket yeah, up on, yeah,
2: yeah <laughs> and, and say,
1: hey, that's how basketball. Okay, we kind of know that. Uh, I think there's there's even a little more origin with with possibly Native Americans having something to do with uh, the creation of basketball as well. But yeah, it it, it wasn't as simple as it being Abner Doubleday. Uh, what we, I think it was a book I read that that actually had to deal with um, Albert Spaulding and his trip around the, the country as he was trying to kind of brand baseball as being this American thing. He was trying to, you know, ask people and, and get the word out, like, where did baseball come from? And someone from, uh, James Fenimore Cooper's town in upstate New York, uh, aptly named Cooper's town said, yeah, there was this, uh, you know, civil war soldier. I remember him. I was a young boy at the time and he taught us the game of baseball and, Without anybody else uh, writing such a convincing letter to Spaulding, they ultimately had this commission together, and they said, "Okay, yep, there we go, boom." Albert uh, uh, Abner Doubleday he invented it in Cooperstown. Let's yeah. go. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's just move on with our lives. Whoever writes it
2: down, right? <laughs> sure.
0: Uh, they say the the victors write history, right? But um, the other thing before we jump into Uh, some of these questions we've got here and some of the things that we found most compelling and some of the people that we found most compelling in this first inning and probably moving forward as well uh, was another observation that you had pointed out on twitter that i I think just for everyone listening to this is i don't know puts us at a couple of different places in time because we're going way back to like the 1830s for some of this stuff Uh, but we're also going back to 1994 and a season, a summer without baseball, the last time uh, there was a summer without baseball. And we don't yeah. know how much of it we're going to get. We're all very hopeful what we're going to get some of it. Um, but I really appreciated that you remarked on the kind of ironic symmetry of this documentary first came out and Ken Burns, Who who I love and and I'm sorry if it feels like we're just out here talking about this documentary and then we we absolutely love this man. But this is part of the reason why he showed us his love for the game of baseball when there wasn't any uh, several years ago. And now that we're trying to get through our lives without baseball, that they've made this doc free for everyone to watch and for us to be able to do podcasts like this. Man, thanks, Ken.
1: And, and what's even more interesting, uh, and cyclical, or however you might want to frame it, symmetrical is probably the best word, is that the 11th inning should be coming out in 2020. So uh, after the original nine innings that brought us up through the 80s, Ken Burns went and in 2010 said, well, let's talk about the 90s because we're now a good decade uh, from when the 90s ended and, it, it, of course, had to... To delve into the perform you know PEDs and, and the steroids uh, that that took place in the 90s and, and the player strike and subsequent lockout as you had referenced Drew, um, but yeah it's kind of symmetrical to think that here we are again without baseball without all of pro sports and yet we could be getting the 11th inning that the the years from 2000 to 2009 coming at some point this year that's that's eerie almost you know that's that's very eerie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, But as we jump into it here, uh, I want to begin with some just favorite moments or or, or things that were most compelling, most interesting. Um, Mom, I'll start with you. You get to go first.
2: (laughs) Or or am I putting you on the spot? You're putting me on the spot a little bit. Um, One of the things that, you know, there's so much detail. I always think every time I say it again, I'm going to remember more. And I hopefully I do, but never all of it but it just stands out the number of poets, the number of writers, the Mm. number of people that describe how important and how uh, impactful this game is on everyday lives and their feelings about it, you know, the sights, the smells, the sounds.
0: Yeah, the the delicacy of the the way the game used to be written and talked about. Um, And I think sometimes people aim for this. I know every once in a while I'll think to myself, like put on your old timey baseball writer's hat, talk about the sounds and smells and and, and feel of the game. I had a few that I had tweeted out that um, I thought were really, really compelling quotes throughout. I'm going to see if I can find a couple of here. Of course, the best game that's ever been devised was a fun one. Um, Just the line that stood out early when they talked about Hercules in (laughs) Pigtown. That's right. The game of baseball was invented by Hercules in Pigtown. though not really, but still. (laughs) Um, Oh, I really liked uh, a ball player. Which one? I can't remember now which one. I tweeted it out completely out of context, so not at all helpful to myself here. but and this is still in the 1800s. Who, who remarked after one of the big games, "Fortune did not favor us. We were beaten, but not disgraced." That should be on the tombstone of every baseball player. <laughs> every baseball fan has has felt that uh, deep in their soul.
1: A lot of eloquence in in the words that you know were chosen at that time by not just the players but those who covered the game because it was so much a part of, of the culture there wasn't television there weren't all these different avenues and sectors of society and even on, on the internet obviously they didn't have that then either but baseball was that one true thing and, and you had the most articulate folks in in the country watching this game and commenting on it just like that as you said.
0: yeah it's pretty amazing. did you have any uh, just kind of standout moments kind of top line favorite takeaways? from this rewatch?
1: I think it was just all the characters. I, I'd kind of, I I don't know how, when the last time is that I had seen this, I I owned it on VHS when it originally came out and uh, then owned it on DVD when that came over. Um, But I I remembered that, you know, the first inning is a little slower, you know, it sets the table. It might not be. as interesting for other people. I might've been watching it with my wife. So I was, thinking, "Eh, she might not be into it quite as much, uh, but for me, you know, watching it solo like this, you know, doing the live tweeting, it, it really got me pumped up and it, it felt like there was a lot of meat left on the bone, only like scratching the surface on some of these players, these early stars of the game. Like we don't know anything about them, but we just know these quirky stories of, of Mike King Kelly standing up in the middle of a game when the balls popped up in the air over to his bench. And because, as was the rule at the time, they didn't specify that you had to make a substitution before a pitch. He said, "Mike Kelly, now in the game, boom makes the grab. You know, there's second out of the inning. And
2: like that, they go, wait, a minute, hold on. Oh, yeah, hold it's on. Like
1: WWE tag in, right? <laughs> exactly right. And they go, okay, hold on. You gotta, you gotta do it before the pitch. You gotta hold on to the little rope in the corner before you tag your partner and." If the ref doesn't see it, it doesn't count. That's that's true in both sports. Um, <laughs> right,
2: right. I think you know it Mike- well with your cap count. Does it count? Oh yeah.
1: yeah, they had
0: to write a specific rule about that. I loved. Um, I think it might have been a Walt Whitman line about how it's a fundamentally democratic game built on the principles of fairness that has always tolerated cheating. That boy, that still <laughs> rang through. Too, wasn't it wasn't. That still feels very true, doesn't it?
1: And I think it was Robert Creeper talking about the distance of between, you know, from home plate to base being, you know, 90 feet.
2: It
1: was was 94 feet. Would we have so many
2: Uh -uh. close plays? It's just, it's amazing. Sports amazing. Yeah. The difference between 88 and 94, right?
0: So that wasn't like a new, that's one of the things that's always stuck with me about this documentary. And I think about it, I would say, once a week when we're down at the ballpark, Patrick, that I'll look out there and go. This game is perfect, not it's and we all know it isn't and we know I want electronic umpires and, and, and all these other things to change, but at its base and its fundamentals, I, I'm thinking about what Robert Creamer said. Uh, one of the very first things they do is talk about the size and circumference of the baseball and the exact number of stitches always has been forever will be, but yeah, it has to be 90 feet. The first base, uh, it it has to be this weird diamond shape. It also has to be, uh, Bob Costas talked about it being asymmetrical, the, the the importance of the beauty of the, the asymmetry of it. That's always been one of my favorite parts about this conversation. And I think, yeah, when you, when you realize all the way this game, the game has worked and they didn't have athletes like Trevor story back then, but still a ball hit three feet to his right with a pretty good runner going. That's a tough play. Why? Because of the way the game was designed from the very beginning. It's, it's really incredible. And it wasn't a game. Go ahead,
2: Barbara. I was just going to say the distance between the pitcher and batter and how, and you can throw a ball almost a hundred miles an hour. They do. And how long, yeah, it's pretty amazing.
1: You, you mentioned Trevor's story being an athlete and how, you know, you, you look at those early players and while they were all fit, I mean, pretty much everyone in America was, was fit. You, you worked in a factory. I mean, those are the, those are the jobs you had at the time, essentially. But less how, sure. Yeah. Oh, a lot less. Yeah. Um, but, but ultimately to be a ball player was was to be a rogue. It, it this it was not a, a career people aspired to be. It was it was almost like an extension of of being part of a carnival and being part of a circus because you just you just didn't do that. It was a game for for children to play, and some you know chosen few were able to maybe make some money off it, but it wasn't a real career to aspire to. Now it's it's still a very challenging career to to uh to have you know because there are only so many jobs in, in major league baseball but now it's something when you have a you know you have a boy or, or even a little girl you say they're, they're going to be a, a, a pro athlete someday and baseball was that first pro sport in america and yet you you did not want your child to to become one of these guys who gambles and drinks and, you know, and, and, and carouses the way they did. There, there was one player, I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, maybe it'll, it'll come back to me. Maybe it was Jim Devlin. Um, but talking about, you know, there was a private eye put on him and they said he was found in a saloon at, you know, 3 a.m. Uh, in the morning slash night drinking lemonade. And he said, sir, that was not lemonade. I was, I was straight up drinking whiskey. You. <laughs> that I ever been-
2: drink lemonade that yeah. early in the morning. Yeah,
1: yeah that might have been, <laughs> been, been my guy.
2: But was it Spalding that borrowed the eight hundred dollars from his mother to start his business, and she it's didn't amazing. really wasn't excited about baseball? But hey, you know. It's amazing
1: how the story of getting loans from family members uh, and becoming uh, at the top of a certain industry can can really continue all throughout time. So, uh, yes, yeah, Spalding was was quite the the innovator, great athlete himself too. I mean, think about that. It's. That would be as if Tom Brady decided to start his own sporting company and new state of the art oh, no, no, no. shoulder pads <laughs> and helmets. All oh, right, maybe mean, it wasn't the best example right now. Sorry, was <laughs> everyone's a little sensitive about Tom Brady right now, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Terrell Davis. Okay, how about him? Let's go with that. But yeah, it was. He's an amazing guy
2: and i do appreciate the fact that they did include at least one of the women's team at the time and you know if there was yes. one there were probably others and that was way back when you know when they're playing in dresses long dresses yeah and and
1: and kudos to to Ken Burns for capturing that again when he's putting this together in the early 90s there's no me too movement there's no um, you know, uh, thinking of, of equal rights and, and, and people being as liberal and as open-minded as they are today, finally, rightfully so. We we still have even further to go, I think, on that subject. So kudos for oh, yeah. capturing that when there was no one asking for him to capture it, that. So that was that was great work, no doubt.
2: When Drew first started, uh, we went on asking one of my favorites, and I should have done this right away, and it's Buck O'Neill. Uh, yeah. You know, Buckle Neal as a Kansas City monarch, and who worked and worked and worked uh, to promote baseball, the Negro League Hall of Fame, which, uh, by the way, is next to the Jazz Hall of Fame. Those two things are, are symbiotic in Kansas City, and it's really a beautiful place to go.
1: There's, there should be a place we can get ribs next door. I know that. That's for sure. That's uh-huh. There almost
0: uh-huh. certainly is. Yeah. So um, I have
1: been there. I have been to the Negro League Museum when my father and I, we went on a road trip to see seven games in seven days. When we were in Kansas City for that Royals game that morning, of course, we we went to the museum and, and checked it out. It's, it's a beautiful spot. Now, Barbara, had you ever met Buck O'Neill before? As I, I know you are no. been around that area.
2: No, I had not. What I did, this is kind of interesting, is several years ago uh, when I was with the Downtown Development Authority in Grand Junction, I went back to a meeting in Kansas City Uh, for theaters. And what we did was we always looked at theaters that they were trying to fix. We generally looked at things under construction, right? Sometimes things that were really operating, but it was restoration of historic theaters. And we went to this place and it was kind of a hole in the wall. And the then mayor of Kansas City met with us and told us he had this dream to make this the Negro League Hall of Fame and it would happen. And it really was the space wasn't an old theater. There was an old theater across the street, and oh, now I'm embarrassed. I don't remember what it is that lots and lots of, of famous uh, groups came through back in the day. Because this is at 15th of Vine, 16th of Vine, Kansas City. Kansas City people area, us up. Jazz area. So, uh, but, but yeah, we went to see that theater, and they were tra- starting some restoration. And then for him to tell us that this was his dream, and it took years, but it did happen, and it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the Gem Theater is the one you're thinking about across the street, yes. like, like mm-hmm. 18 and And yeah, going into the the Negro League Baseball Museum, it, it it has the sense that it was maybe an old theater, because I think if you cut off to the left, that's the baseball museum, and maybe off to the right is where the, the Jazz Museum is, I believe.
2: I think you got them backwards, but yeah. To the right, back, to the right. Because we actually went back this summer. My uh, husband was from Kansas City, and we went back this summer to visit his family. And uh, we went and, and we went through both uh, the jazz and the Negro League. And uh, I didn't remember as much from the Jazz M- Museum as I had from the Negro League Museum. And I was really impressed with the Jazz Museum. And it would be a wonderful thing to take kids to, to take people really interested in music because they had a lot of audio where you could put your headphones on and listen to this kind of jazz or that kind of jazz or somebody doing the same song differently. And why they did it, it was really, yeah, I was impressed with it. Enjoyed it a lot.
1: Very cool. Well, Drew, we're glad to have you on the Barbara and Patrick Show. Thank you for joining us today. This is <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal.
0: It's the least amount of work I've done on a podcast in a while. In fact, it's so fun- it's funny you mentioned that. I was going to say something like a while ago. And now I totally forgot what it was based on like two topics yeah, ago. To. <laughs> Just feel free to hop in if you need to. Um, but I did want to mention because we have seen an extraordinary outpouring of support from the DNVR community, people buying subscriptions, people buying lifetime subscriptions. Uh, really going all out to support us as a local business during this time and we cannot thank you enough for that uh but i've had a lot of people you know also asking me other than buying subscriptions and merch you know what can we do we were all planning on coming out to the bar one of the things you can do is to help out our sponsors and of course as you know our our sponsor right now in we go probably not having the best of times considering their whole thing is about getting everybody out to go to events but I think we all know someday we're we're going to be going to events again. In fact, after not being allowed to for a little while, we're gonna be going to as many events as we possibly can. And that's why I would highly recommend that you check out and we go have it ready to buy. If If you buy it now, you know, again, you're kind of helping them out if you end up using it more later. It's a lot like buying a gift card to, to a restaurant or, or any other place. In We Go is really the best way to take in events in Denver anyway. It's a monthly flat fee that doesn't come with any of those ridiculous fees that you've got to pay. Convenience nonsense when you buy a ticket online. That stuff drives me crazy. They've got Nuggets, Avs, Buffs games, Rockies games, of course, concerts. Uh, beer festival. So when all of those things come back your way uh, to make sure you're experiencing them in the best way possible is in we go. And, you know, if you, you sign up for it today, let them know I'm helping you out. I'm helping out our friends at DNVR. And I plan on using this service as soon as it would be a smart and safe thing to do. But uh, th- they're a great, great company, a great organization. Um, and, like a lot of people, they're, they're going to be going through a tough time right now. So if it's you know within your means, while you're watching these documentaries, uh, check them out. Get yourself a sub. And,
1: and if you're, you're single, football. you can get oh yeah go yeah go, go ahead. I That's was going to state. I was going to say if you're if you're single and you're like well I, I don't want to go to a show by myself. I'm, I want my friends to come with me. If you only have your your single person. They give you a really good price on tickets if you want to pick up that second one. If you want to go solo, hey, that's great. But if you know you want to uh, bring a date or a friend along, they actually have really good deals where you get your ticket for free, right, as a member, and then, boom, you can go pick up an extra ticket for a buddy. So that's that's a, a great feature if you're single, no doubt.
2: I was just going to suggest, and so I don't have the sponsor things in front of me, but if we're going to be doing – uh more of these, right? We're gonna watch all the Kim Burns. Mm-hmm. This is time for like kind of like dinner in a movie. Get your Brit Brew, get your Bojo, take oh, right.
0: You know what? Bojo's is doing a okay. 30% off deal right now. Uh, yeah. if, if you you know do a delivery with DoorDash um yeah. or, or with a takeout. Uh Ali just sent us that and it wasn't my particular read for today. So I'll give you the specific information on it, but yeah. I agree. Dinner and a movie, dinner and a drink and a yeah, movie. Davis Wine and
2: Liquors is another sponsor.
0: Davidson's.
2: Davidson's.
0: Okay. They, they will deliver stuff, liquor to your door.
2: So even, so if you have to stay at home and we're going to do this, y'all think of it, let's do a little event here. Let's have some drinks and some good pizza. And Bojo's has a lot of different things. I don't have one where I live, so you know the menu better than I do, but they get
0: a salad. Kind of, you can get, I mean, they got wings. If, yeah. If pizza is not your thing, there, there's definitely other stuff. If pizza is your thing. I heard there's
2: this bread thing they've
0: got. that's really good. They got that honey <laughs>
1: cheese bread.
0: <laughs> yeah. You mentioned yeah. You be eating
1: it's Yeah. Really <laughs> <cool. laughs> so so it's good. between Bojo's, both- between Bojo's, Davidson's, and what we were doing with these watches, it's it's Bojo's, booze and Baseball. Let's do it. I
2: like it.
0: Love yeah. it. Hashtag Bojo's, booze and Baseball. All right, I think we're actually going to pause this conversation here. Uh, there was a lot to talk about. We kind of just kept going and going. It was a lot of fun, but uh, I figured it, this would be a good place at the half point mark to sort of wrap it up Uh, for this segment there's going to be another podcast on the first inning also maybe this will give people some time to get caught up if you have not yet watched the first episode the the first inning of the Ken Burns baseball documentary you've got a little bit of time to do it now before the second half of this podcast uh, will come out here uh, in the next few hours probably at the very latest by uh, the following morning from when you are listening to this so uh, just one last reminder that you know if you're thinking of ways to to try to help out and support people we appreciate all the subscriptions and all of those things as well but please do keep our sponsors in mind and Breckenridge Brewery is really doing some phenomenal things to help everybody out Uh, they're delivering not just the the Breckenridge Brew but they've got food uh, from their Brewery, it's really fantastic. It's it's been really good going down there and getting food, which of course we're not going to be able to do here for a little while. So I cannot recommend it highly enough. Their fifteen pack of a variety pack is really a good way to keep yourself some variety while you're stuck inside. So use the Drizzly app for Breck beers and to get the delivery. That that like I said, that fifteen can sampler is really the way to go. Uh, You can pick up food or beer at the farmhouse down at the brewery in Littleton. They will even bring your to-go order out to your car for you. So if you're somebody that's frustrated by all this, you'd still like to go out, but you're also still trying to be smart. These are the ways uh, that we can help people out and, and get this thing done. Whether you're looking for Strawberry Sky, that Hot Peak IPA, which I absolutely love, the Colorado Core Whatever it is, you know you don't have to go through this time without your favorite beer and without some pretty great food. Give them a call. Drive down there. Out there, uh, there's also a Breck beer locator that you can get if you've got that Drizzly app. So make sure you're taking care of yourself and taking care of your Breck situation. For all of us for this part of the episode, for my mother Barbara and for Patrick Lyons, I've been Drew Creasman. And until next time. I will see you at the ballpark. You can also make great use of Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Locally owned in Centennial and Highlands Ranch, they will deliver booze to your door. Download the app for incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. They've got Breck Brew as well, so if you're not close enough to that brewery, you're closer to these Davidson's Wine and Spirits, hit them up. They got the DoorDash thing figured out. Uh, They've got the best offers you're going to find anywhere. Check out the app for the deal of the day. You can even request products to be ordered into the store. So download that app to get incredible deals. Sign up for the loyalty program and get that stuff delivered to your door so you can keep having your party, but you can keep being safe.